Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into Pastor John's sermon from the Sunday before. As always, I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and today we are back talking about Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 24, with the title of the message, An Astonishing Prophecy. And joined with me, as always, is my friend, my pastor, Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, we've kind of took a little hiatus. We've been in the DR. Yes. um, This next July, I know we've already said that we won't have it, but we're coming back. By popular demand, we're going to be highlighting some ministries and having the ones over those ministries join us in the Upon Further Review, so you don't want to miss those by any means. You want to make sure that you are listening in and being tuned every Tuesday. Right. So let's get this episode started, and John, as always, as you're preparing this message, what are some things that came to mind? When you look at uh, Luke 21, verses 1 through 24, it is... A, a lengthy passage, and B, it's very complex. And C, it is not about what you think it's going to be about. Mm. So I'm sure as a listener it was a little bit potentially confusing, maybe even jarring because it doesn't go down the path that you think it's going to go down. And in fact, the path that you think it's going to go down we are actually going to go down that path on August the 6th when I return from my sabbatical. Oh, man. Yeah. So like, those, were, those were my first few thoughts like, oh, man, how do I preach this text as long as it is and as complicated as it is in 25 minutes or less? What a challenge. No small feat. No. Yes. And as always, you, you conquered it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thought you did a great job. And as you said, the text is full of things to think about. Mm-hmm. And even to apply to our own lives, I've been mulling on it even today, still yeah. trying to think about all of it. And even with so much packed into one sermon, you navigated so well with the focus of how we should live our lives, mm. um, at least is how I took it, and, and even a life pleasing to him. Mm. And uh, our actions as, as believers matter, and we see that really throughout all of Scripture, but really Luke has really highlighted that, mm-hmm. and at least from what I've come to to see through it and in this text it really made you think back on again in my opinion how we live our lives for Christ and really what we do affects right not affects God but it does matter in the uh, in the grand scheme of things and so the first focus was on the giving of an impoverished woman Mm -hmm. and in verse one through four we're told about this poor woman who offered everything that she had And you guided us to see that the point being that this impoverished widow put everything she had while the affluent were giving their offerings out of their abundance. Right. And you show us that Jesus says that her gift was greater than all the rich who gave, in which you tell us that Jesus has a different measuring stick for one's giving. Hmm. And for me, and I know this is probably only for me personally, this text kind of hits me a little different after our week in the DR of just knowing the joy that they have mm. with little they have. And, right. and we've talked about that before, and that's a whole different subject. But it got me thinking of the question of how can we shift our thinking in the way we give from this focus of this woman who gave all that she had? 
Right. I think it's interesting that the first rattle out of the bag in chapter 21 is Luke commenting on Jesus's statements about her giving and how, how and why he singles her out out of everyone that was giving in the, to the temple treasury. I, I think that's obviously by design. Mm. And the fact that Jesus elevates the reality that she gave all she had to live on, which Mark tells us in his gospel that it was equivalent to maybe a penny, her two copper coins. <laughs> and, and then the fact that Jesus points out that the, the affluent gave out of their abundance, whereas she gave all she had to live on. So right away, you're like, why does he elevate that versus elevating the fact that they gave a lot and she gave a little? Hmm. It's just another reversal in the kingdom that Luke, I think, wants to highlight that the Lord's way of thinking is not man's way of thinking. And perhaps we should adjust our thinking to consider it's not what we give, it's what we keep Hmm. in part. And... All of us, I mean, anyone listening to this podcast is far more affluent than most people we would encounter in the Dominican Republic. Right. And so it does It does offer, I mean, I appreciate what you said very much. It does offer a bit of a reset on your own perspective on material things. Because you look at material things, all of us do like, well, I don't have this, I don't have that. But in reality, man, we have it all mm-hmm. and Christ. And maybe it should be we have Christ and then everything else. Mm. Because I, the real joy is having Christ. But the other thing I tried to point out in the sermon was the fact that this also implies, it doesn't say it in the text, but I think the implication is there that it does give uh, credence to the fact that this woman was just trusting God to meet her needs. So, wow, she gave everything she had to live on. Therefore, she had no choice, and I think it was a personal and deliberate choice on her part. Again, I can't substantiate that with black and white from the text, but you have to, I think it's a reasonable conclusion that she obviously made a choice. I'm going to trust God to meet my needs. Therefore, I'm giving him everything I have. Nothing remains. And all of us give out of our abundance. Um, So it does, you know, it kind of makes you step back and think, how do I look at my possessions? How do I look at my resources? How do I look at my finances? Am I looking at them in the right way, in the way God looks at it? And God celebrates the one who gave all they had to live on. Now, does that mean all of us need to go out and give everything we had to live on? No, of course not. It's not at all what the text is saying. But it does say, you know, even two copper coins in the eyes of God based on what remains, is significant to him, as well as the one who gives substantially out of their abundance and still has an abundance even though they gave very generously. I mean, God evaluates both. Things, it's just, you know, we, we try to fit God in our boxes. Forget that. That's never worked. That's he, sure. he can't be put in a box. And he's never going to line up with my expectations. That's good. Yeah. That's what makes him God. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would any of us want to follow a God who you could manage? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. So that's one of the takeaways for me, too, is just why, why, why there? And then the pivot, which I know you're about to bring up. Yes. The pivot in verse 5 to something completely unrelated to 
verses one through four. <laughs> yeah, which is a good point, but you know that the as but I do think that is also a shift of at least in my life. I've been thinking recently, especially. I think God has been working on my own heart of shifting my own thoughts, as you've already said, of how we view God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think in this same way, and that's what Jesus was doing it so masterfully of what you're thinking and what you're saying is not whom God is or what God should. This is whom. And, and this is what you said, the great reversal that he's done so many times is I think he's, again, even with the Jerusalem thing, shifting that heart of right. our God is a God of... <laughs> of mercy, but also a God of judgment. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's even a shift of how how do we view God and how are our hearts receiving mm. our God's word, Jesus' word, um, as he's speaking. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. For me, it's been definitely, especially in these la- latter times with Luke, has been, okay, God, how can I shift my heart to see you? Yeah. Not how can I try to put you in my box mm-hmm. and live life, but what do I need to change? Take yeah. what needs to happen right good um so anyways in that focus you then shift the the prophecy about the destruction of jerusalem and our focus is shifted to the beauty of the temple and how the city was considered invincible and then there's so much (laughs) that i'm that i'm not saying because there's a lot lot there and so please go back and watch the sermon if you haven't but in the verses to follow you tell us that jesus warns the coming of false prophets and the falsely interpreting of events, as well as the persecution that is to come in this prophecy. And then you talked about the per- persecution that was to come for the believers of that time. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, and I'm careful how I say this, but persecution is hard really for us, I think humans, but specifically Americans, yes. to understand, especially, like I said, here in America. But from this text... How important is it for us to stand firm in our faith through times our faith is tested? Yeah, that's a great question, especially for the season in which we find our own country. Mm. Uh, And you're right, and it's well said that we're rather strangers to religious persecution, like it is experienced in other parts of the world. However, the days of persecution for the uh, the American Christian are upon us mm-hmm. and not necessarily um, you know, with torture and imprisonment or even death but I think the days of the culture at large celebrating the Christian judeo-christian ethic are over mm-hmm. and the challenge is about is here and is going to be upon us more in the days ahead, you know, we're about to see really who's committed to Christ and the church and his truth versus the nominal or the marginal. And we're about to see who's going to stay in the boat and who's going to bail. And we're already seeing that in parts of our country. It hasn't necessarily gotten to Texas just yet per se, but I think persecution is just something that we need to expect and kind of brace ourselves for and it's i you know i do i like the idea of it not necessarily but maybe it is a good crisis that's going to galvanize the church once again and the church always seems to do better when it's squeezed 
as opposed to times of, of sheer prosperity and peace. The church seems to do better, more resolved, more worshipful, more obedient, more serious, uh, more of a gravitas about the Christian life than when everything's just rocking along. We love who's in the White House. <laughs> you know, everybody's prospering, inflation's low, everything's good. Versus, man, everywhere we look now, it's just a challenge to the Christian perspective and the worldview that's informed by the Bible is being challenged at every level in our culture and society right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would say to anyone listening, the 13 or 14 who, who <laughs> listen, you know, by the way, our goal is 1,000 listeners. <laughs> um, so we're on our way. Um, I would just say, I heard a man say, hey, the days of of easy-peasy Christianity have left us. So we're going to see who's, who, who can handle the squeeze. I even heard a guy say this week that one of the things he was grateful for as it related to COVID was it showed him who's really committed to the church and who's not. Now, that's a very general and broad statement. It doesn't apply in every case. So I want to be sure and say that. Just, you know, there's some people that not, have not come back to the church, but there are other reasons for that that are right. totally legit. But there are others who have not darkened the door of a church since COVID that, why? Hmm. You know, come on. So he, he makes a good point. Man, and when you hear him say that, you almost want to rewind it <laughs> on the website. Like, did he really say that? And... Yeah, he really did. And what does he mean by that? And should I be thinking about this? So and then you look at the early church, and, and the ch- in church history, every time the church has been under duress, it seemed to be stronger mm-hmm. as opposed to when it's all honey and no bees. That's a good point. Yeah. So uh, am I a big fan of persecution? No. Do I like it? Not really. Is it here? Yes. Um, so I think the days of people just standing up and applauding us for being Christians, they're gone. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And it's only going to cause us to continue to to lean on him. Well, yeah, and then to remind ourselves, and I was reminded of this in the DR, that song we sang by C.C. Winans, mm-hmm. God is so good. Yeah. Man, that was the one song we sang that actually moved my heart. Some of the other songs, I'm like, man, this song is long, or can I sit down, or man, it's hot up here. But that song, I actually stopped and thought about the words and how true they are. And, and even in the tough times that, are, that squeeze you, like when the electricity goes out and you're sleeping in a puddle of your own sweat, and just all the things that happen on a mission trip, right. and how they kind of squeeze you and test your character. Um, you, one of the outcomes of all of that is you again see the goodness and faithfulness of God. Hmm. So all, all of us can, I think, look back on, our, on the history of our lives and, and see those markers where we go, yeah, God got me through that, or God was faithful and proved himself faithful and took care of my need and helped me through that problem or whatever. You have to fill in the blank for yourself, but... Uh, to see the goodness and faithfulness of God is a good thing. And, and perhaps persecution, it, 
among the other things it produces in us, maybe ultimately it does help us to see, man, God really is good and faithful. He didn't abandon me. Absolutely. That's good. And, and you then transition into focusing on the description of the, of the discre- discre- destruction. Mm. And you tell us that the city of Jerusalem will be the worst place to take cover, yeah. is, is if, if this was falling apart. And you emphasize the importance to know that this was the wrath of our holy God. And that's what struck me on Sunday was realizing that the wrath, it was, there was a warning, a prophecy of the wrath, mm-hmm. but that it wasn't, there was a wrath coming. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this was, and you made the point to emphasize that this wasn't just a confluence of events. This wasn't, wasn't random. Mm-hmm. This was planned. The wrath was coming. And the things that would normally be a blessing and joy, you made the point to, to emphasize this, they were made dreadful. Mm. Have, having a baby, being pregnant, should be a joy. Mm-hmm. But it was made dreadful. It was going to be hard to be pregnant right. during this time and to right. flee. And I think you emphasize that really well because at this point in the text, we should understand the weightiness of our sin. Mm. And I think Luke, as you've already said this, did such a marvelous job through the Spirit, obviously, to, to point this out, not just in this text. He's done a great job yeah. of it throughout Luke. And so how should this affect our everyday lives, knowing that we will be accountable for the things we do here on earth? Yeah, great question. Um, I think, you know, we get lulled to sleep a little bit. You know, in the Old Testament, God's justice seemed to be immediate. You got out of step, you got zapped, so to speak. Right. And now we're kind of living in the New Testament era where God's justice seems delayed, but that doesn't mean it's denied. Mm. Um, And we all need to live with a greater awareness of the fact that our sin is serious. And at the end of the message, if you go back and listen to it, uh, I say this in the concluding remarks that, you know, how do we know sin is serious? Well, two things, Mm. the Bible and the cross, and the cross is God's greatest demonstration of both his grace and his severity. So I think it's helpful for all of us to be lovingly reminded, you know, sin's a big deal. I hate yeah. it in my own life, uh, and I need to continue that and not be all cuddly with my sin, huh. but to hate it because of God hates it, and God wants it out of my life, and, you know, I keep revisiting the dumb things I do, but... Um, yeah, it's when you read what happened to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and then I laid out from the biblical text all the reasons why God's judgment was poured out on Jerusalem in AD 70. I lay it all out for, and I go back to the Lucan text and then one text in Acts, which is also a Lucan text, and establish here are the reasons why he poured out his wrath on Jerusalem and why that city was destroyed in AD 70 and 1.1 million Jews lost their lives and another 97,000 were dispersed and so yeah sin's a big deal to God and it's so big he hung his own son on the cross to pay for the sins of uh, our doing thinking and saying so yeah we all need to be reminded because we just kind of flippantly go along eh, you know yeah. sin's not really a big deal God just winks you know, not every sin is bad not according to the scripture. You're right. Sin is sin, and the consequences of sin are the same. Mm-hmm. It's true that some sins we engage in have more consequences 
here here on earth you know and, and I don't get into all that but uh, but I don't necessarily think God has rate a sin right you know this sin's worth 10 points this sin's worth five on the devastation factor it's all we're condemned for all of it and the only one who can save us from that condemnation is Christ so it's a good, good it's a good reminder we look at it, Jerusalem and Israel and go man can that happen to us can that happen to America I heard a, a, a person say recently that her take on it is that we're already experiencing the judgment of God by virtue of the wicked leaders we have. Hmm. I don't think she's wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and I've heard others say it, too, that we're already experiencing judgment in America and God's handed us over to this craziness. And yeah. So, you know, we need a big heaping dose of repentance across yep. our country, um, starting with the church, starting with me. Yeah, and I'm careful how I say this because I don't want this to be taken out of context. But I think, and I've been repentful of in my life of this, is sometimes we get so caught up on the grace, which is the beautiful part. And I think we should because that, as we talked about in Rut this morning, merciful, the mercifulness, mercifulness of God, the gracefulness. I'm thankful for the grace. But even in college when I was going, there was a lot of talk about grace mm-hmm. and that there's grace, there's grace, which there is. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes, at least this was the development of my life, is I had to learn the hard way that, yes, there's grace, <laughs> but there's also consequence for our sin. Yeah. And there was a time in my life where I was still living in sin, deep in sin, with the notion that there's grace, right. which I'm thankful that there is. Yeah. And I'm still living in you know, there's still sin in my life that I go back to sin. I, and I know that. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect by any means. But my point is I think we need to know the weightiness and the point of the question of our sin. Yeah. And that there is judgment on our sin. That yeah. Christ died and received the judgment that we should get right. for our sin. Yeah, but very good. Um, and, and yeah, so, I, I, I know what you're talking about, that hyper-grace movement um, where there was— so much emphasis and accent on grace, and it lost sight of the fact of what I call lordship mm-hmm. and the idea that we are to break ranks with our sin and not embrace grace and embrace our sin. Yeah. And we're supposed to flee those things that entice our hearts and want to seduce our affections. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous thing to, and I appreciate you pointing it out, you know, well, God will forgive me. Of course he will. But he also calls us to holiness and an obedient life, and we can only live this with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I think, too, the help of a church. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine trying to walk the life God has called me to without a church family yeah. around me, um, helping me, praying for me dusting me off when I blow it, mm-hmm. and even holding me accountable. Um, you know, I'm not calling anyone to be judges. That's not really our place. But, I, you know, I just think God's put so many safeguards Absolutely. into our lives if we will allow him to. But, yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's a very good point you're making about the hyper-grace stuff. Hey, you know, God will just—it's all grace, grace, grace. The law is gone. Like, actually— 
Uh, it's important that you live according to the law, having experienced grace. Right. You're now called to an obedient, holy life, a yeah. godly life, where you obey the law. I know what sin is because of the law. That's exactly right. But Paul says, go with Paul here. That's right. You can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just so good. And, and, and for me, this Sunday just really pointed back to how, are, how am I living? Not worried about anybody else, which I think we're called to love and to guide. And, and I'm not saying we don't, but just in that moment of how can you continue to be obedient? And I think that's the challenge that you put out there even on Sunday was what, what do you need to do in this moment? How is God transforming your life and the weightiness of your sin? Do you realize? And so I don't know. That, that's just my challenge and at least the challenge that I've been doing now back to the people of just how how can we see the seriousness of our sin yeah and walk in that truth so that others can see the seriousness of their sin mm-hmm. through the spirit revealing it to them right because we're not the ones that reveal it to them no um, but as you said we are the people who God allows to use that be used by him for sure so yeah anyways we could talk about that yeah that's another day. that's another podcast but as we close what are some final thoughts well, as Cody identified in the early part of the podcast, let me just piggyback on that, that I hope you'll tune in even during the uh, subsequent Tuesdays. While I may not be here to participate in the podcast, I think Cody's idea of spotlighting various ministries is a good idea. If you want to know more about what your church is doing, we've been providing this information big time as an emphasis intentionally in our worship services and our announcements spotlight ministries but to have the opportunity on a podcast to expand that a bit more i think you're going to learn more about your church that that will truly what's glorifying god and pleasing to him and opportunities where you can get in on what he's doing Mm -hmm. so don't quit listening uh but i will be back the week of august the 6th and um I know we're going to have a podcast where I actually talk about my sabbatical. I'm excited. What I did. It's going to be good. Yeah. We're going to have the most listeners then. Oh, I have no doubt. (laughs) Man, they don't want to miss that. Yeah, make sure. Because I'm planning, you know, to go visit with some pastors. I've got a bunch of books I want to read. I'm going to be visiting churches, looking at what they're doing. I'm going on a vacation with my wife up to Washington State. We're going to bike across Idaho and Montana. Great. It'll be awesome, man. I may not come back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to pray you come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to come back, but. It's going to be good. Oh, I've never been to Montana. I can hardly wait. I hope it's a good time of rest. Thank you. Me too. Rejuvenation. Yep. You definitely well deserved. Thank you. Well, we're not going to do that stupid segment this time so we're sorry but we'll make sure the next time it's a good one yeah there's a lot of stupid stuff going on in the world. So stay tuned for that but well, thanks guys, for listening today yeah, as always we're so thankful for our listeners and thank you for joining and as always to end the session remember make Christ known by what you say and how you live have a great week alright thanks thank you all for listening and be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.